Welcome to Real Life Rescues, a podcast that's going to go behind the scenes and take an in-depth look into the operational and personal accounts of EMS first responders from Israel's largest fully volunteer EMS provider, United Atzala. Any volunteers available in Beit Shemesh across from the Noach Ayalat trails? And units available in Tamaria near the Kinara for an 11-year-old boy pulled into the water, possibly drowning. Eight or seven is in the water with the boat. Backup units needed. Hi, welcome to another episode of Real Life Rescues. I'm Raphael. And I'm Dovi Maisel. Today we're talking about taking it to the skies. Absolutely. We always said that United Hatzalah is on the land and in the sea, and now we're in the air as well. Yeah. I don't know if we should be scared or happy or excited. Congratulations or to us. This is a, a milestone, a milestone in the organization's history. We've been dreaming about this uh, since the start, basically. And that's our air medical unit, which was uh, launched uh, last week. That's right. And uh, now we're able to do medevacs uh, with helicopters. Uh, We have currently three. We're hoping to have five. Cover the whole country, north, south, central. And... um, we're, we have 30 trained flight paramedics. So, yeah, we've been, uh, first of all, this has been in the works now for a year and a half. We've been working on this under the grid because uh, in, in our lovely little country, um, nobody likes change and nobody likes breaking monopolies. But the time has come to share the pie, as we say. So it certainly has. And also to get, you know, fast response times. Well, that's that's the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to, is to serve the people of this country. I mean, we know what this organization does. We're a non-for-profit organization. We're 6,500 volunteers. We're the national volunteer organization. And and this is just another layer that was a, 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 has been waiting to happen as part of the service that we're providing. Very much so. And as a strong believer in redundancy myself, um, I think it's always a good thing because, you know, there there is currently a medevac situation in the country, um, where there are, I believe, two. Yeah, the government, the government service uh, holds two helicopters: a northern helicopter, a southern helicopter. But just to put things into perspective, I mean, uh, comparing Israel, I always do this comparison for our listeners: is um, to compare it to your backyard is like uh, New Jersey. So Israel is about the size of New Jersey with a population of New Jersey, basically. And currently, for the past seventeen years, seventeen, yes, seven, fifteen years. Sorry. There have been two helicopters servicing the country by the government service. Um, and in New Jersey, there I think, what are there, 15 companies, 15 helicopters, 16, 17 helicopters? At, out of my wheelhouse. Servicing New Jersey. So, yeah, just to put things <laughs> into perspective, there is space in the airspace for yes. for a, an additional service. Not only that, but historically, having only two helicopters servicing was always lacking because if one goes out of service— and they're, they're, as they often do. Exactly. So the service is impaired. And, and we saw this as part of our mission and an opportunity and an opportunity to, to upgrade our services for the public. And um, yeah, and, and in the past few months, we had uh, 30 paramedics undergo um, the equivalent of FAA training in Israel. Flight school. Flight school, basically. Flight school. They did their paramedics. own little Top Gun thing going on there. They had the jumpsuits. We did the slow walk on the tarmac and everything. It was it was very cute. And they were going <laughs> up and down uh, with patients or, or, or simulating patients for the past few weeks. And uh, finally, last week, um, all uh, preparation uh, was completed and yeah. we have launched. They passed their test. Uh, they got their training certified. And again, it is only paramedics at this point. United Atzala's uh, finest. That's right. And we... Uh, um, the top gun of United Hotel, if you will. 
Um, we, uh, we, except we don't have a Tom Cruise. Well, Liad's pretty good looking. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he he puts the sunglasses on. He can sort of pull it off. He still ain't Tom Cruise, but, (laughs) um, definitely not. Um, but, uh, we, the, the, the unit is, uh, has graduated. They've, you know, like you said, they passed the certification, uh, and now they're active and, um, starting, uh. March twelfth, March twelfth, yeah. the unit is going airborne. So just a few days. Yeah, and in the interim, uh, um, we as, as we've been so experienced before, is it challenging the the um, system? The challenging the system. Challenging yes, system. that's being very nice about it. Yeah, challenging <laughs> the Ministry of Health, the government services, and all of those who who don't like change. Um, so it gives us a few weeks to uh, hand wrestle here. Um, and 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 make sure that we're uh, opening uh, as planned and servicing the people of Israel. And of course, we have to. There there are issues that have to come up, and and certifications, and all the things that are done uh, ahead of time. Like you're saying, work out all the logistics of exactly you know how the unit is going to be dispatched, um, where they're going to work, landing pads. Uh, and et cetera, the home bases of each of the helicopters where they're going to be stationed. Uh, so there's a lot of logistics to work out. So like you were saying, it's good that we had that uh, that lag time a yeah, little bit. Yeah, what we're doing basically at this point is we're mapping out the country and and understanding the, the, the heat map, basically, of where the weak links are and the best place to position these helicopters so the circles of flight will actually uh, be effective in minimizing the response time of the helicopters too. MVAs, trauma... Um, and, and and other patients that need uh, remote transport to uh, to trauma centers or stroke centers and things like that, which will uh, better serve the people. Of course. And then they have to include, obviously, hiking trail. Hiking is a major pastime here in Israel, especially as we're coming up to the spring and summer soon. Uh, there's a lot of uh, medevac, uh, you know, I guess, circumstances or situations that take place on hiking trails throughout the country. Um, whether it's in the desert or in the mountain areas, areas that are very difficult for ambulances to get to. Uh, that's something we're obviously taking into account as well. But Rafal, maybe let's take it back a notch a little oh. bit, just to share with our listeners a little bit about the history of medevacs and, and air medical uh, transports in Israel, which is relatively a, a, a young a, a young uh, field here because uh, until 15 years ago, there was no civilian uh, medevac whatsoever. In Israel, mm-hmm. and the service was actually provided by the Air Force, the Israeli IDF Air Force uh, um, uh, rescue unit, the six six nine Airborne Rescue Unit, which was um, would would serve um, in these instances in these remote accidents, um, and of course uh, um, in uh, extricating uh, uh, hikers from mountains and ravines by cable. Uh, which, by the way, to this day are still only done by the six six nine Airborne Unit. Um, but talking about the civilian uh, transport from MVAs, from uh, um, other traumas and, and, and hiking accidents, um, uh, 15 years ago, um, a, a private company here, uh, an air medical, and a helicopter company, uh, came forward to the government offering this service and teamed up with the government service to provide it. And it really changed the way we look at uh, at medevacs because until that point, you really needed an extreme crazy situation to get that helicopter from the Airborne 669 unit uh, to, to deploy to the scene, primarily because of costs, because flying a Blackhawk uh, 
in order to transport a patient um, uh, to a trauma center. It was very, very costly, and therefore um, it, it would not be done as often. Bringing in the civilian transport and, and medevacs, which we're all familiar with, uh, which re really are more or less like the same everywhere everywhere in the world, uh, really changed the way we look at, at uh, MVAs and other remote uh, uh, incidents. So for the past 15 years, these two helicopters have been uh, serving one based out of the southern uh, city of uh, Beersheba and one based out of the Poria Hospital in Tiberias over the Sea of Galilee, um, serving in the circle of flights, um, which will, uh, on average, uh, reduce the transport time of patients from about 45 minutes to an hour to about 10 minutes, uh, 15 minutes in flight to the nearest uh, trauma center. So it really brought change, yet it was not enough. And and understanding that is, is part of the reason why we kicked into this, uh, uh, to this field, understanding that if we're not going to do it, nobody else is going to do it. It's not, right. not going to come. There's no initiative from anywhere, um, regulatory or other, to provide the service. I know that the IDF, um, the airborne rescue unit are not interested in these civilian transports because it puts a burden on their service. They're they're a military. They're an army. They're supposed to be ready to protect Israel and serve on on on, on the on the fire lines. Uh, but they but they bridge this gap. So so we do see the the cooperation between the us and the military as well as the government service and the military across the board. This is a, a little different than working on the field with an ambucycle that comes from United Hatzalah and an ambulance that comes from the from the government service. Uh, here, helicopters don't do air-to-air uh, uh, um, -air, uh, combat when it comes to, uh, to, to, to medevacs. We certainly hope not. Um, and of course, we know there's always, you know, the, the risk as well. We know in the past there have been uh, a number of, um, I guess, medical helicopter crashes that have taken place in the U.S. in different areas. Uh, very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Very much yeah. unfortunate. You're going out to help people, and something causes the malfunction or, or turbulence, whatever it happens to be, and, the, and the, the helicopter goes down. That was rescuing people as well. It's obviously the one uh, from Pennsylvania from last January, um, and uh, a number of others throughout the time. Uh, so we have the safeguards put in place uh, on our helicopters. Of course, uh, the pilots themselves are ex Air Force pilots. All um, ex-Air Force Israeli IDF pilots, yes. And they have the, the highest level of training possible, um, very experienced. And I, I'm not sure, uh, there was one military helicopter crash a number of years ago, I think a couple decades ago. There were a few, actually. A few. But I, I don't know if there's ever been like a medical helicopter crash in Israel. I don't think it's happened yet. No, and don't jinx that. Don't say this yet. Let's keep it that way. <laughs> Well, let's talk about a little bit about the effectiveness of how these helicopters uh, operate in Israel. Sure. Um, so I remember at least one story that I was uh, a little bit of part of. Um, there was a uh, there was um, uh, a severe car crash uh, a couple towns over from where I live, uh, a town called Beitar, and uh, it was a very serious car crash. And the problem with uh, that town is there's there's mainly one road that gets to the town, both in and out, two directions, one lane in each direction. And because of the accident, the traffic was backed up so badly um, that even to the next closest intersections, it was bumper to bumper, gridlock. No one was moving in and out. It was even very difficult for ambicycles to get there because it's not uh, a very safe terrain um, to get through. And when the cars backed up, of course, you know, regular Israeli drivers, they not only backed up on the actual roads, they backed up on the shoulders also. So it was very difficult for any first responder to get to. And, and they called in a medevac. 
Um, and the first thing you have to do with uh, with medevac, even though you know I was I was part of the recent training as well a little bit uh, from the ground crew side, uh, first thing you have to do is set an area for the helicopter to be able to land. Uh, as one of the first responders, the job would be if you're calling for medevac is to notice uh, or look for an area where the helicopter can land. It's not going to hit any power lines, not going to hit any buildings. It's not going to affect the traffic. Obviously, you can't land on the highway if there's bumper to bumper traffic. It has to land close or next to. Uh, so we had to look at a field that it could it could land in, um, and we did. We found a field not too far away. Um, we called for a medevac. It came. We got the patients on, uh, I guess, stretchers and brought them out to the helicopter itself. Um, it took a little bit of time, but obviously a lot faster than trying to get an ambulance in there and then back out of there. Again, uh, thankfully, it was it was a four car pileup. Uh, we had uh, two critically injured patients uh, and a number of moderately and lightly injured patients. Uh, thankfully, everyone survived thanks to the quick transport from the helicopter itself. Yeah. So, so I mean, we can think of endless examples. I mean, it, it, but let's try to think about even uh, the more picante ones that are... Uh, um, picante means spicy. Picante. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, I remember there was a... Um, here on the weekends, uh, there are a lot of people who go uh, hiking and cycling in our forests, in our... Uh, yeah. Um, what do you call them? And uh, What do you call hiking them? Hiking trails. Hiking trails, mm-hmm. natural trails. parks. Uh um, this sort, and, and, uh, this was a couple, I don't know, this was a couple of years ago on a, on a Saturday afternoon, a biker went off a, a cliff there and this was in the middle of nowhere. And we got one of our ATVs actually, um, that are, are with our volunteers out to that area. The ambulances couldn't get anywhere within, I don't know, within two miles to the, to the patient itself, our ATV got in there with our medics, and and it, like Rafael said, finding that location to land, we understood that taking this patient out with the ATV to the ambulance, and from there another forty-five minute transport to the trauma center. So we were coordinating with the six six nine airborne unit, giving a, a what do you call it, the location, the coordinates of a landing spot in an open uh, in an open area that was uh, nearby because the area of the between bike the trees, was, yeah. yeah. The bike was in a wooded area, and that's also a problem for helicopter. Yeah, so we found an open area there, and the ATV actually drove maybe, I don't know, it was 600 feet um, out to this open area, and the helicopter got the coordinates and landed right on the spot. And the patient was taken from the from the from the middle of the forest there right out to the trauma center, which was about a 10-minute flight, believe it or not. Um, uh, which uh, which on the ground would take about uh, 45 minutes, easy, if not more, just to get out of that uh, uh, natural uh, park. Um, and, and and that's just one example of, of the effectiveness of these helicopters. And and if to give one more example is there is uh, in Israel, you know, we have our, our, our small little country here has very interesting... Uh, um, topography. Topography. Thanks, Rafael. You're Boy, welcome. You, you, you get me. Yeah, the topography. <laughs> so on the one end we have the low, the, the desert, and the lowest place in the world in the Dead Sea, and on the other, on the other end, about uh, I don't know what is it, 200 miles away, 300 miles away, we have a ski site, which is uh, the only ski site in Israel for about one month a year, and that <laughs> is Mount Hermon, which is on the Syrian border. And in that site, every year, you know, thousands and thousands of Israelis for that one month that this ski site opens, um, they, they 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 take over that mountain and go skiing, um, and and. Every weekend, every day there, there are ski accidents because you can imagine a country that's more prone to deserts than ski. You can imagine what our ski accidents are going to look like. Now, this ain't the Mont Blanc, but uh, that said, we get our piece of action up there as far as trauma. 
And the transport from there actually to the nearest trauma center is about a almost two hour drive. And that's without traffic. That's without traffic. Yeah. <laughs> it's just door to door. Yeah, literally. And and we're we're able and it, it's quite difficult even to coordinate the helicopter to there. And every year we have literally every other day a helicopter transport from there. And and being and, and sometimes it's not available because the hell the one northern helicopter is a, is preoccupied in an MVA somewhere or whatever it is, and there is no backup. Yeah. So so we're the ones who every year do the the medical standby and this uh, ski site. Um, and and we see this as a, as a significant um, addition to the to the support of our mission up there of providing the service, and and being able to to deploy a helicopter from there immediately to the trauma center, which is I don't know twenty minute flight, something like that, is a real game changer uh, for the for the outcomes of these uh, of these patients that are. Um, uh, getting injured on the ski site. Absolutely, and it, uh, you bring me back to a uh, to a skiing accident that I had myself once. Uh, we didn't end up in the hospital, but uh, I had I was I was just learning. Well, I I don't ski. The the the, the <laughs> most professional I get is sitting down on a garbage bag and trying to <laughs> slide down the slope, <laughs> makeshift toboggans. Uh, no, I, I ran over somebody because they were they were in front of me and I was coming down a little bit faster and I was just learning how to ski at the time and I didn't know how to stop. Um, and either, and they didn't know how to move and I didn't know how to move. And I basically just ran over the person. Uh, it was a very interesting story because right after I ran over them, um, it was, I was of course much younger at the time. And so was she. Uh, and then I feel this huge hand on my back and it just, I get picked up in the air. Um, and, and I see this very large fellow who's, who says, is there a problem here? I said, uh, well, I, I ran over this very lovely young lady. And he was like, that's my girlfriend. Oops. <laughs> like, Sorry. Um, but I'm going to apologize to her first because I kind of hit her. Um, so it ended out without anyone being too traumatized, thank God. And like I said, we didn't have to go to the hospital. But they do happen all the time. This skiing accidents are very, very common there. And of course, so are motor vehicle accidents. And the same helicopter, like you were saying, from that trauma center covers the entire Jordan Valley as well. Yeah, actually, actually, another interesting angle on what this helicopter will be covering, our helicopters, is uh, not only uh, on land here, but... Um, Israel has uh, um, the, the gas drilling platforms in the offshore in the Mediterranean, Mediterranean. Sea. Um, we're talking about 60 miles out, 70 miles out in the commercial waters of Israel and the and in the international waters of Israel. Um, that uh, we we were able and, and we'll, we will be servicing these platforms for the medical transports off of these platforms. Um, to to uh, medical facilities uh, in Israel, so that's right. just another another angle. And also, hospitals and are already talking to us about about um, uh, different solutions that we can help uh, of between hospital transports, bringing from hospitals that are not to trauma level A hospitals um, to the trauma level A hospitals, and and, and this sort of uh, solutions which were not accessible because of the lack of of, of helicopters in Israel. Um, so there. The helicopter is definitely going to be put to, to good use is, is what we're saying here. And it's very exciting. It's very exciting to be there. And uh, I know you got to fly on one uh, pretty recently as well. Listen, I've been working on it for a year and a half. <laughs> if I don't go up on it, I actually wanted to do the... The maiden the, voyage, I believe. I, I really wanted to do it. Really, it made me tear. Uh, it literally brought me to tears because I really wanted to be on the cohort one of the of the uh, um, the flight paramedics of the flight paramedics, and unfortunately, due to so many tasks on our table and so many missions, and then the Turkey earthquake and other things happening, I wasn't able to be on cohort one. And as a paramedic of too many years, this really uh, uh, pinched my heart. 
but I, 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 I for sure will be joining in one of the future cohorts and, and getting up there to treat patients from the helicopter. It's been a life dream of mine. So meanwhile, we're getting it to our paramedics in the field and giving it to the people, but I will go up there. Yeah, one day, one day. All right, that's all time we have. And uh, we'll come back with some great stories once we start uh, working out there with them. Very much so, very much so. Um, so that's all time we have. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Always great talking to you guys. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.